0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Welcome back to the comfort zone. This is Joe Barksdale to the first-time visitors as well as repeat offenders. Thank you so much for checking us out. This is a mental health podcast that looks at mental health through the lenses of music, sports, and comedy. We have a guest. Y'all know how excited I get when we have guests. I'm very excited for this guest because I booked him before, like, most of the other guests we've had on the, t- on the show. Don't let the other guests know that. Um, but before we get into it, uh, this is not a replacement for therapy um, While these conversations may be therapeutic in nature, we are not mental health professionals While one of us does counsel other people, he's not doing it right now, okay, and it's not me um, I'm talking about how I feel on the feelings will Today I feel excited, well right now I feel excited um, For those of y'all that don't know, I'm a very deep thinker, mind uh, minor in philosophy uh, Really big in the I'm not going to say big into like religion because that makes it seem like you're big into rituals but I'm big on theology and like learning about God and these kind of things um so without further ado that was probably the worst intro ever but without further ado I would like to interview I would like to introduce Brad Thomas Hey, Joe, bud. It's good to be with you today. Nice. It's nice to have you, Brad. Thanks, man. So you can either do the short bio first or you can do the feelings will first or vice versa.
1: Well, let me let me go feelings. will. this is the first time I've ever seen this. So you pros on this will have to give me some grace. But but I I, I see myself today as being under that peaceful uh, segment where I would just say thankful. Nice. And, man, I'm just thankful to be here with you today. I'm thankful that we get to talk about things that hopefully can help some listeners that are with us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, my short, short bio is I'm I'm from uh, South Carolina, born and raised, went to Clemson University, home of the Fighting Tigers, and uh, love sports. I love the arts. I love creativity. Um, I'm now a, a pastor here in Austin, Texas, been doing this for 18 years, and I get the, uh, the joy of having – having you Joe sit in my congregation. Joe sits on the front row, by the way, if you guys don't know that. <laughs> and uh, since he was a offensive lineman, mm-hmm. I see him as I see you as having my blind side when I'm speaking. Nice. So anything that comes from behind, you're gonna grab grab and, and
0: and beat him to the ground. I appreciate that. <laughs> and that's exactly what I'll do. And they're actually letting me hold a gun starting this Sunday. So oh gosh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I start this? Okay, so What got you into ministry? Like, just in general, what got you into ministry? You know, honestly, going
1: back to that feelings, Will, thankful. um, I just became thankful in my life. Content is another word, I would say. And I think there was a point in my life when I was at college where God started to change my life, and it was kind of a point I got to where I thought, you know, I want my life to count. I want my life to count more than consuming and being a hamster in the wheel and living for the weekend. I want my life to... Impact people and inspire people, and at the time, God was doing a work in my life through ministry, and so I just kind of yielded. I just said, "All right, God, I'm all in." I don't know what that means. I'm all in, and God took several years to clarify church and pastoring, but yeah, it just started with a desire to
0: to matter. Okay, so I got a question about that. It's funny because I came in here with like certain questions that people asked on Twitter. I'm gonna get to those at the end. You were you were just talking about want to be you know, wanting to be all in, you want God to do something special in and through you. Um, do you, Would you say that that's something that, like, you've always felt, or was it something that came, you know, came into you as you got older?
1: You know, I grew up in a very small town. I was just telling you, 5,000 people. That's right. Like, every year, the same amount of people died and were born, I think, to keep that number steady. And I just, I just always thought there's something more out there than this small town I'm living in. There's something more that God wanted me to be about. And it wasn't like an arrogant thought. It was more like, you know, God, if if I'm going to live for you, then that should matter. Mm-hmm. Right. And so purpose, I've always been a big purpose guy. I think, I think everybody listening to this podcast has a purpose. I believe God created them in his own image. I believe that matters. And I believe that purpose is a calling and that calling should fulfill us. It should bring thankfulness and contentment in our life. And not that every day is great, but there's a general path. If you know you're own, then yeah, I
0: can be happy on this path. So you were talking about looking for purpose, um, as someone who left their job looking for purpose, <laughs> what would you say? Because you, and you talked, you touched on it. You said that, you know, God was working on you for a couple of years before like, you know, things started happening for you. What would you say that that seems to be a common denominator in the Bible where like, you know, God will confirm someone or, you know, Uh, the hand of the Lord is on somebody's life. And then years later, after years of preparation, they start to, um, I'm not going to say they start to move in God's plan because the preparation is the beginning of God's plan, but you know what I'm saying. Um, What would you say to people with the great resignation that's happened and so forth? Obviously, a bunch of people are looking for purpose. COVID's reset a lot of people's um, priorities. What would you say to those people who, you know, maybe did step away from their job back in 2020 or even last year and they're going through like, you know, that, that, I mean, obviously things don't just change overnight, but they're going through that process of being worked on and they're, you know, in a discouraged place, that kind of thing. What would you say to those people?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I see a lot people. of it. <laughs> I see a lot of it from COVID. Um, you know, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God, which also tells me that when we're always hurried and, and busied, it's hard to know that He's God. Mm-hmm. And so I think COVID brought some stillness to people that also scares us. I think it scares us sometimes to be in the car without the radio on and just be with your thoughts. And for me, you know, I'd say from 1988 is when God started working with me at, at Clemson and changing my heart until I got to Austin Ridge here in Austin at 2004. You know, that that was a... That was a, a 20 year period almost. And in that period, wait, I didn't do my math right. 16 year period, that 16 year period, God was just preparing me. And and I think sometimes we think if we're not on the stage or doing what God's wired us to do or what we feel called to, then we're not, we're not in the sweet spot, but the prep is the sweet spot. The prep is the journey. It's, it's not like Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. That time in the wilderness was just as important when he stood in front of Pharaoh. Joseph was thrown into prison. That time in prison was just as important. So it's not just the destination, it's the journey. And if I had short-sheeted that 16-year prep and rushed it, I would not be able to be the person I am today and the things that God's calling me to do today.
0: Well, that sit in silence for me. That's, that's... That's legitimate. I know people needed to hear that. Once again, I am people. Um, so we were talking about how did you get to Austin, actually?
1: Well, I was uh, I was pastoring young adults, single adults, guys in their 20s and 30s back in Charleston, South Carolina. Started feeling restless. Whenever Whenever I feel restless, I tend to pray more. When I pray more, I feel like God starts to show things that he's calling me to do. And I felt like God was calling me to lead a church. I was 33, which in ministry is young, and so at that point I just started praying. And in about a two-year journey, I sent resumes all over the country, and I got rejected all over the country. Wish you were 40, wish you had more experience. And I literally found this church on a (laughs) churchstaffing.com, and I sent my resume in. So that's how God got me to Austin's. But for me, it's never been even about geography. God's always God all the time, everywhere. He's never not God. He's never not present. And so for me, it was more like, I just want to be doing the things that you've called me to do. You figure geography out. And so whether, you know, if people come to me and say, I've got a job offer in Charlotte, Atlanta, and Detroit, Mm -hmm. which one should I take? And I always say, which one do you want the most? And, And people feel bad. And it's like, well, God wouldn't want me to choose the one I most want. Geography doesn't matter. Just wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be fully faithful. And it happened to be Austin, Texas, which you and I are sitting here. It's May. It's supposed to be one hundred and one degrees a day. So God definitely called me here because I wouldn't have come here.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I mean, I, it's funny because actually, even how we got here, it was so not circumstantial. But like, yeah, we definitely. I mean, I felt led here as well. And there are times when you wake up in the morning, like it's it's pretty hot, but that's fine. You know, when you're talking about yeah, it ain't Detroit is it? No. Actually, Detroit gets this humid, though, because we're, like, right off the lake. That's true. I can't get away from humidity. LSU, that was hot, too. That was hot at LSU, too. (laughs) How'd you like Clemson, by the way? Loved it. Okay. One of my favorite football players or one of my favorite friends that I played football with, also a favorite football player, Chris Harrison, he went to uh, Clemson University, um, so I guess that's two friends I have now from Clemson, and the doors are closed. Two friends from Per College, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I call it God's University, so you can have three. There's definitely, like, a, a
1: big Christian presence on that campus. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you ever go back? Uh, no, because I'm just busy on the weekends out here. Okay. But uh, God did a work. Like, I'll give you an example. When I was at Clemson, we had 12,000 students. Clemson's not very big. And I was a part of FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So mm-hmm. you're the type guy I would have gone after to be friends with. <laughs> And we had a 1,000 kids come to FCA on Thursday nights at Clemson, 12,000 students, one out of every 12 kids. That's not normal. And these kids would come in, and we'd sing worship songs and talk about the Lord, and God just started doing stuff. We were spending spring break trips instead of going to Fort Lauderdale, which we wouldn't even remember that week. We were going places and building churches and homes for people. Mm -hmm. And God just started moving. So, yeah, that that just holds a, a dear place in my heart and and I just think it wasn't even about Clemson it was about community when you're in community when you have people around you that love you and care for you that you're fine wherever you are and whatever's going on it's about having the right people around you and again geography doesn't matter as long as you're walking with God and you've got people in community you're invincible
0: okay so I do have a question and it was when you were talking about uh, walking with God and people in community first of all I would not be one of the people you were trying to be friends with in college at college I was an atheist like <laughs> perfect I, I had lived like a long life up until college and I got to college and I'm like what just took my first philosophy class and I'm just like you know what maybe, maybe God's not real maybe you know these kind of things um clearly I'm not an atheist now I guess, was I ever an atheist if I'm back in church You were not. I've never met a true atheist.
1: People uh-huh. say they're atheists, but I've never met. I think people are agnostic. I don't know if there's a God. And I think there's two classifications of that. They're either lazy agnostics or or, or energetic <laughs> agnostics. Either they're trying to figure it out, which mm-hmm. is what agnosticism should do, mm-hmm. or they're really using it as a cop-out where there's no God, So I don't, or I don't know if there's a God. That's lazy agnosticism. Atheism... I, I've never met a true atheist, to be honest with you, because even a person who says they're an atheist has feelings, emotions. They feel like this is right. This is wrong. So you got to ask the stuff the question, where does that sense of right and wrong come from? Mm. And an atheist would have to say, well, it comes from within myself. OK, well, where did that come from? It's just a black hole, that that thought process there. So I just think we're a full
0: a world full of agnosticism, mm. some of which are lazy. <laughs> and shout out to same time. Is it Aquinas? Yeah shout out to St. Thomas Aquinas because he wait. Was it St. Thomas? Was it Aquinas? I don't know. There was a I could be butchering this, but there was a philosopher that used um like knowing uh, or the the existence of moral values as a way to prove that God exists because no human created the moral value system.
1: Well, think about this. We're on a we're on a rock that spins in air so is is circling around a ball of fire. If we get any closer to it, we burn up. we get any further away, we freeze. There is intelligent design. So we have to start
0: at least with that. I dig that. And I'm glad you said that. Speaking of uh, intelligent design, for those of y'all that don't know, there's an apologetics class (laughs) starting at uh, Austin Ridge. Um, When is it? It's in the fall. It's sometime in the fall. Let's go. Uh, I'll be there. Um, For those of y'all that don't know, apologetics is – could you explain? Yeah, how to
1: defend your faith, how to, there you go. How to discuss your faith, uh, how to answer some of the skeptic questions you get. And the truth is, and we've talked about this too, that I don't have a problem having questions I can't answer. Mm-hmm. I have a problem trusting a God, a God I can't be near. Yeah. That's can, my Can you struggle. talk a little
0: bit more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because we were just talking about this before we turned the podcast on. People come to me and say, well, I don't understand this in the Bible, so I can't follow God. Here's the truth. If you have a God you can understand and answer every question for, that's not God. Like God, God's power, attributes, character has to be above and beyond my ceiling of my intellect. Because if my intellect is the limit for God's power and what he wants to do or doesn't want to do, that's not God. Then I'm God. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if I don't have any more questions, why even have a Bible? And so God is unsearchable. He's unknowable. And yet he's intimate and he's transcendent. And that's the beauty and power of the Lord. And so questions don't bother me. I think what bothers me about questions is when it's really just maybe a cop-out. I'm going to use this as my out of why I don't follow God because I have a problem with him. Well, the thing is, come to God and let him deal with your problems. Because the truth is, God's not a genie in the bottle. He's not a vending machine. He's not a grandpa in a rocking chair like deism saying he hopes this thing works out. God is in charge all the time and he loves you more than you can imagine. And here's the truth. There's nobody else on this planet that loves you the way God does. And so that's what we're about here at the Ridge. That's what we're about. My relationship with you is we want people to understand you have a great purpose. You are loved. There is a God who cares and let's, let's get going. Let's get going on that because I've learned that when you get busy serving other people, it's amazing how you forget about a lot of your own issues
0: that's very true. That's very true. I, um, speaking of serving people, and you were talking about um, all of us being made in God's image, God loving us, and these kind of things. And I ask this question for the mentally ill, as well as a person who's who is mentally ill. Obviously, well, not obviously, but people like. I'll just say people like me, you know, they come into churches, they eventually open up about their mental illnesses and people say that they're like possessed or they start to get like ostracized and that kind of thing. What is your relationship to mental illness as it relates to like church, God, the Bible, Christianity in general?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, I think there's certain areas where the church has butchered it. (laughs) This is one of them. I think the church does not do a good job, and when I say church, Big C Church, Universal Church, does a horrible job with the elderly, does a horrible job with special needs uh, people. Um, I have a special needs son, as you know, a severe special needs mm-hmm. son. And I think mental illness and mental health is another one of those areas because it's, it, it's what I w- go back to earlier and what I just said. We're all created in the image of God. God doesn't make mistakes. And I know you have listeners right now that have struggles. Right now there's listeners going, I don't know if I want to wake up today. I don't know if I want to get out of the bed today. And the truth is, there's nothing I can say profound that's going to change that today. Mm-hmm. That is a mental, what we call an illness. That is a struggle. That, and it, to be honest with you, a struggle I don't have. And so I'm not going to pretend to understand that. But what I do know is God's love for them is the same as love for me. And if that's true, then God does have purpose and he does even if even if the struggle someone has is, is is a struggle they can take and help someone else with it that's a valuable power because you Joe, you can look at someone and we've talked about some of the struggles that you have you can look at someone and go, "Hey man, I understand I get you I can't say that the way you can say it that's a powerful thing. I think sometimes you've got to have understandings and ways of saying, That's a lie. That's a lie. That's truth. Mm -hmm. And you've got to work through that every day. And you've got to preach the gospel to yourself every day. And you've got to tell yourself the things you know to be true every day. And one of the things we say here at the Ridge is, don't question the dark, what you know to be true in the light. We've got to live in the light and we've got to remind ourselves of truth, even when we don't feel it. So our feelings cannot be the dominator in our life. Our truth our, our our band of brothers, our community, mm-hmm. that's gotta be what we stand on because our
0: feelings, man, they're deceptive. So what would you say to someone who's listening that like, I'm not gonna say, I mean, obviously they're not involved in the community, but like someone who is, because abuse exists in the world, someone who's afraid of like being involved in the community because, and that's one thing me and my therapist talk about a lot, like it's definitely very important and it honestly saves lives. Uh, the problem is a lot of the people that need to be in communities aren't because they were in communities before and they got burned or whatever. What would yeah, you say to those kind of people who are listening now?
1: Yeah, and I guess first I'd like to say, Joe, if, if someone's listening and they've been hurt by a church, because I hear that a lot, I am deeply sorry for that. And this is going to be hard to understand, but I, I hope that we can separate a human who's hurt someone in church as a setting versus God. Who we've been talking about already in this podcast, because churches are filled with humans. Humans are sinful. Humans uh, hurt people. Humans hurt each other. And so I really try, because there's times humans will <laughs> send me emails that hurt, yeah. say things to me that hurt. And and there's times I've got to say, you know what, I, I, I just told you before we started, you get 10 compliments mm-hmm. and one criticism. What <laughs> keeps you up at night? The That's one awesome. criticism. And that's where I go back to. I've got to go back to truth. I've got to go back and say, you know what? I serve an audience of one. That's the Lord. And if if the audience that I serve of one loves me more than anyone else or anything else, I can take that one criticism. Let's bury it. Let me focus on the one who loves me. And so I would encourage someone that's listening that maybe they've been to church before. Maybe they've been hurt. Try again. Yeah. Try again. It's almost like saying, well... I had a girl break up with me when I was a sophomore in high school, so I never dated again. We try again, we try again. And, and again, almost expecting humans are going to let me down. So I'm not going to put my full trust in a human. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put all expectations in a human because no human can live up to that, but Jesus can. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you and I talk a lot about Jesus because that's kind of the way maker. That's kind of, that's that, that weight at the bottom of the fulcrum and everything else around is spinning. We come right back to that rock.
0: Stability and consistency, two things that, yeah, humans can't give you. That's Um, right. You were talking about preaching to yourself, like, you know, saying things to yourself. I immediately thought about David, the psalm that he wrote about, um, Why So Cast Down On My Soul. Hmm. Would you say that um, mental illness is exist in the Bible besides well yeah would you say the mental illnesses exist in the Bible I was going to say besides the dude that uh, Jesus exercised but now we're talking about demons
1: yeah I, I would say absolutely and, yeah. and like you know that I've been preaching through Elijah the mm. prophet Elijah and this week, uh, actually, my sermon coming up this Sunday. And if, if your listeners want to tune in, we'd love for you to go to org and listen to the sermon this week. Okay. But Elijah has okay, just. Okay, I'm
0: not going to lie to you. This won't come. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it won't be for like a month or two. Elijah has just been told by a guy named Obadiah, we saw two weeks ago, okay. that I've hidden 100 prophets in caves because all the prophets were being killed. Right. So he knows there's 100 being hidden. And, and last week he said, I'm the only one. And then this next week, he's going to tell God, I'm the only one. And he literally is depressed. There is, there is mental illness happening in Elijah's heart. And what I'm going to see in the story and what I'm going to teach in the story is God has remind Elijah there are at least 7,000 that have not bowed their knee yet. You're never the only one. I think one of the things that Satan uses, and this does go back to the demonic, mm-hmm. is you're the only one like this. No one else understands. And you have it harder than everybody else. And here's the truth we all have it hard. Mm-hmm. And and there are people who understand. Mm-hmm. And like my son has seizures every week. It is it is brutally difficult. He's never spoken a word. He's 21 years old. That's part of our story. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't like it when people come to me and say, "Hey, I got a book you need to read for that." Or, I, "Here's a here's a podcast to listen to." <laughs> but I love when someone can come to me who's been through it. Maybe they've got a child that has mental illness or maybe they have a handicap or even something different and they can come say, "You know what? I don't know your situation specifically, but I can tell you, I understand pain. I understand heartache. I understand loss of dreams. That's what you and I have the power to do to help people. Even people listen to this podcast. We can say, you know what? I may not have the struggles you have specifically, but I know pain. I know crying. I know darkness. And so that's why I think getting in the light with other people helps. And you've got to just find those people that lift you up, yeah. <laughs> find those people that are going to be there. Like you've told me a lot of stuff in your life that you struggled with. Mm-hmm. The next time I saw you, I loved you more. I wanted to see you more. I was more excited to see you in the foyer. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, here comes, That's how I felt you here comes like- Joe, <laughs> you know? And I've even said as a pastor, you, you say that I'm very genuine. I'm very transparent because I'll share my own struggles. Mm-hmm. I used to think, well, if I share that stuff, they're not going to follow my leadership. They're not going to trust me. They're not going to respect me. I found it's the opposite. Mm. And I think that's another lie that comes to us is that you need to button that stuff up and not share that stuff with anybody because you'll never have any friends. No, what you'll do is you'll find your true friends.
0: Say it again because you're right. When I I talked to you about that, I was like, great. Now this dude's going to think I'm crazy. He's never going to speak to me again at church. It's just yeah. There's something uh, disarming and at the same time like anxiety inducing about vulnerability. Do you find that it gets easier to be more vulnerable the often you, the more often you do it? I don't think it gets easier, but I think it gets more strategic. Okay.
1: And 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 I do like when when people share their stuff with me. I tell you, for me, it feels like man. Thank you for trusting me enough with that. Because mm-hmm. I know that's, you don't trust that with everybody. And it feels, I feel grateful for that. I feel thankful. I feel, man, that's pretty special mm-hmm. that you would share that with me. And it also tells me, hey, he trusts me a little bit, which is great. Because I think all relationships have to be built on mutual trust and respect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and honestly, we're all crazy. <laughs> Thank you. We're all jacked up. I've been saying that like there is no such thing as normal. Right. You know? Yeah, well, there's no – we call my, like, my son special needs kid. I think my son is special and maybe I'm normal. And maybe special is actually better than normal sometimes. But I think we're all messed up. We all have stuff. It, everybody listening to this podcast can say, let me tell you about my background. Let me tell you about what my parents did or didn't do. Mm. Let me tell you about what happened to me. That's true of all of us. And and here's the truth, Joe. This place is not heaven, and we try to make it heaven, and we expect it to be like heaven. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not fixed yet. One day it will get fixed, we mm-hmm. believe. And so the truth is, I live this life not with expectations on humans. I live this life with understanding and walking with the Lord.
0: That's the difference. Okay. Speaking of, so you were talking about um, Satan lying to people. Um what is the difference between mental illness and demonic possession? And you're, you know, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not a professional to answer that. Yeah. I do think. I, Th- that's
0: I, what I was going to say in your opinion. That's the yeah,
1: I'll say that. it this way, Joe. I think a lot of mental and health issues that we deal with, I do think a lot of it is spiritual. And and I think that God is still the answer. What's the question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, I do think that Satan can deceive as as an angel of light, the Bible says. And I do think that a lot of the things we struggle with, like, for example, I can be down, discouraged, and then you can say, well, I'm depressed. Okay, what's the difference between discouraged and depressed? It may be deeper, Mm -hmm. it may be darker, it may be longer. But I still think the true answer on those things at times is a spiritual answer. Mm -hmm. Now, I do think medication can help. And I do think doctors help, and I think therapy helps, and I think all these things help. But ultimately, I think there's something more powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the fact that I am loved, I have purpose, and God is with me. And I think those things, along with those other things that humans can help with, mm-hmm. I think is kind of our, our, our team <laughs> okay. that, that we walk sense. with.
0: Yeah, and it goes back into what you were talking about with that community aspect, too.
1: Like I trust God, and I take an aspirin if my head hurts. Nice. It's not that I'm putting my trust in the aspirin, but I believe God made the aspirin. I put a seatbelt on. I trust that God's sovereign, and He has the bookends of my life. But I'm gonna put that seatbelt on because I also don't presume upon God, mm. and I think seatbelts are nice to have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> remember when it wasn't legal? I mean, remember when it wasn't illegal to wear seatbelts? Oh, I feel absolutely. So old. Do you think that that law was invented? This has nothing to do with Christianity. They used
1: to make station wagons with back seats looking backwards at the end that our kids would sit in.
0: Actually, they still do that. They're called Teslas now. Yeah, they're called you know, Teslas. <laughs> <laughs> and they crazy. go really fast. They go really fast. You ever been inside one? <laughs> I have been. It's crazy, right? I don't <laughs> like
1: it because I can't hear it. <laughs> really? Yeah. There,
0: oh, that was one of my favorite
1: parts of about the I could be car. crossing the street and I'm going, a car could come and I don't even hear it.
0: <laughs> Are you are you one of the people that's looking forward to like the self driving cars and all that? No, I want
1: a V eight. I I like noise. I I I, I'm a car guy.
0: I have a friend named Nick. Y'all need to meet one day. He is a he's a big car guy too. Yeah,
1: apparently I don't care about the environment, but I want
0: a (laughs) V (laughs) eight. Well, if enough people get Teslas, then the select few can still have V eight. That's right. I'm I'm going to have a V eight. (laughs) That's no doubt about it. So you were um, you talk about how we all experience pain. I feel like comedy or like I feel like laughing is the inverse of mm-hmm, crying. Mm-hmm. Everybody laughs. Everybody cries. Would you say that like pain is the common denominator in the human experience? The thing that like helps us relate to each other?
1: Yeah, I would I would say pain is a is a result and effect of other things. And I would say the other things is struggle. Okay. Life's just hard. I mean, you're born with some stranger smacking your hiney. So you'll cry. Like, yeah. what way is that to start a life? <laughs> and you've got especially you you folks listening who were the firstborn in your family, you were the guinea pig. Yeah. And, and and you know, you take a baby home, there's no manual. And you know, you've got a mom and a dad who had moms and dads who were not the best and they struggled and you got addictions and you got pain and you got all this jobs and mortgages and all this stuff. And the truth is, it'd be easy to sit back under the bed covers and say, Well, It's all horrible. I'm just going to stay right here in my safe place. Mm -hmm. But the truth is there's a beauty in human relationships. There's a beauty in friendship. There's a beauty in um, you and I sitting here talking about this stuff and hoping to encourage someone with it. And so I just believe the gospel is the the battery pack in that. It's the power behind it. And I think people that don't have Jesus, I think it's hard enough to get through life with Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't know how people do it without the Lord do it. Because that is the ultimate power that wakes me up in the
0: mornings and gets me going, yeah I, I agree with that, because it's not yeah, you're right before you can even get to the medicine or hit the lights or anything like that, yeah, I um
1: have you noticed everything the world offers you for all this stuff?
0: You have to over
1: time do more and more to get the same effect, yeah, Jesus is the only one that you'll never reach the bottom of it's 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 limitless.
0: What, that's, you're dropping a lot of gems, Pastor. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, when you when you talk about um, people who do see, you know, who do experience, okay, we all experience this darkness, these dark times, things that we struggle through and that kind of thing. Um, I forgot what I was asking you that to ask. Oh, so um, someone like David who, like, you know, went through dark times in the Bible and that kind of thing, because people always want to go back to people who they read about in the Bible can you speak to like or Joseph or Moses or any of these other people can you speak to the things that people don't read about in the Bible that maybe you've learned in like a commentary or a seminary or even things that you've had to um expound on in your own uh you know yourself um because obviously we you know you'll see like David killed Goliath and David became the king of Israel but like you said they don't talk about they don't expound on what David was doing during you know the years that he was hiding out in the caves and these kind of things
1: yeah, that's a great point. We we tend to look at these Bible men and women and think, well, God spoke to them every day, and every day they saw miracles, and of course they believed they had great faith. But it's interesting. We're doing Elijah, and James chapter 5 says, Elijah was a man like us with the same nature that we have, mm-hmm. meaning that he's a normal person just like us. When you look at the life of Elijah, we don't know how old he was when he first went to the brook and was fed by ravens, which is a miracle. We know that he was there probably six months, then he goes to a widow's house, he's there three years, and then God speaks to him again. All we know so far in our, in our study of Elijah is God has spoken to him three times in three different occasions, and he could be 50 years old, he could be 80 years old, we don't know. So there are a lot of Tuesdays, a lot of Thursdays, where there is nothing spiritual, supernatural happen, where it's just changing the oil and figuring out how to pay for the braces, and doing normal everyday stuff. Faithfulness is supernatural, not when the supernatural happens. It's supernatural when you're living it daily, and there's nothing happening. (laughs) And you're just grinding. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you look at someone like David, maybe there's five events in David's life we think about that were supernatural. But what about all the other days? Uh, Same with Joseph, same with all these guys. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite theologians, says, unless God hurts a person Deeply, he can't use him greatly. And I've always thought about that quote Why does God have to do hard things in our life to use us in mighty ways? And the truth is, when do I pray the most? When I'm most discouraged? You know, like I always say that during exam week, everybody on a college campus, all Mac is a theologian and they're praying like crazy. And then right. every other day of the year, college kids don't think twice about God. Yeah. But for two, three days a year, they become great God fearers. <laughs> That's the way the hum- human beings are. That's the way we are. And so, I always say this in our church. I say, why does a why does God give a dog fleas to remind him he's a dog? Why does God give us hard times to remind us we're human? To remind us we're not God. And so, I think I feel more, and I'm more human, more real going through hard, dark times, than I am when everything's great. When everything's great, I don't tend to think about God too much. Mm -hmm. So if every day is the lottery winner, God doesn't love you enough to pull you close because it's amazing, it's hard stuff that makes me get on my knees and and get before the Lord. So on this side of eternity, like I said, this is not heaven, on this side of eternity, this world's broken. Mm -hmm. The Bible says you and I are aliens and strangers, this is not our home, we should not fit here not fitting here should be normal for the christian life. and so if some of your listeners today are going i just don't fit here, welcome to the revolution.
0: <laughs> nice. that's spoken beautifully. i um when you were talking about things that bring us closer to god, i thought about paul talking about the thorn in his side. do you think that everyone has a thorn in their side?
1: i think if you have a mother-in-law you do.
0: <laughs> i I'm am I'm like the one dude that i know, okay, i can, do i know a lot of that I talk about mother-in-laws that I get along with my mother. I love my mother I, I
1: have mom. a great mother-in-law, too. I, nice. I think we all have multiple thorns. Okay. And I think all of them, here's the deal. I think God allows all of them for certain purposes. And if we get close to him, we'll
0: see those purposes. That was going to be my next question. How do you see those purposes? Okay. Um, who is your favorite? Or do you have like a favorite uh, person in the Bible besides Jesus? <laughs> man i love joseph and i'll tell you why i love joseph
1: and this is a great thing for our listeners to think about you can read about joseph in genesis but joseph was a guy that did everything right and every time he did the right things bad things happen so joseph gets a dream from the lord because his dad gives him a, a coat of many colors he he shows the the coat to his 11 brothers he gets a vision from the lord he tells his brothers which he probably shouldn't have done they throw him in a sister and throw him he becomes a slave in egypt he, he gets out. He's a steward in a guy's house, Potiphar. Mm-hmm. His wife makes an advance. He pushes it back, does the right thing, runs out of the house naked even because she pulls his clothes off. Mm-hmm. He gets thrown in prison off trumped-up charges of rape. Now he's in prison. He meets two guys in prisons. They have a dream. He's, he's probably thinking, no more dreams. Mm-hmm. They have a dream. He interprets it. They get out. He says, hey, remember when you get out? They get out. Forget about him. He's there longer. Every time this guy does the right thing, bad things happen. But what I love about Joseph, he gets to the end of his life. He's now second in charge in Egypt under the Pharaoh. There's a drought, which is from God. By the way, droughts do come from God. Mm. There's a drought. His, his family comes to Egypt for food and water. They're standing in front of him. They have no idea. This is Joseph, their brother. They find out, and they're thinking, he's going to kill us. And Joseph says in Genesis 50, he says, the things which you meant for evil, God meant for the good. That is a that is a man right there that has learned the beauty of sacrifice following the Lord over some dark nights. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy who stayed close to God. Only Only a Christian can really say, I forgive you. Because Christians are the only ones who understand forgiveness because we're the only ones that have experienced the love and the forgiveness of God. Here's the deal, Joe. If God can forgive me, and I know... If you knew of me and if your listeners knew of me, what I know of me, they wouldn't listen to this podcast. But only God can forgive someone like me. Then who am I not to forgive someone else? And I tell you, forgiveness is freedom because it it allows me not to be bitter. It allows me not to self-harm. It allows me to be able to say, you know what, God, I turn that person over to you because you're a lot better at this vengeance thing than I am anyway. Mm -hmm. When I have an argument with my wife, I want her to fight. Like if I say something, I want her to say something back so I can feel vindicated. Same here. But when she says, you know what, I'm just going to hand you over to the Lord. No. No, I want you to fight because I don't want to be handed over to the Lord. And that's what I do with people that hurt me. Um, You know what, I'm just going to pray for them. I'm going to give them over to the Lord because I can't can't do anything about that. And whatever, I can either get bitter or better, that type deal.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm going to let the Lord make me better in this. Did did it take reps to get to that thought process or was is it something that came more naturally? Oh,
1: absolutely. Reps. Because when you're eight years old and someone takes your toy away, you punch them. That's the natural <laughs> instinct we have. You yeah. got to learn. You know what? I don't know that kid's story. He may not have a toy at home. I've got 15 toys I don't even play with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let him play with that toy. It's not about the toy.
0: Yeah. I, I remember because, yeah, this is especially you're talking about anger. Anger is always rising in defense of something. Yeah, I think we're
1: all we all have anger and we're all narcissistic. We all are focused on ourselves. You know, my wife the other day she bought some new clothes. She said, Hey, I want you to come see what I bought. And I was like, Great. And she's like, Do you like it? And I said, Why do you care if I like it? And she goes, Because I dress for you. And I said, No, you don't. You dress for women. Women dress for women. (laughs) Women walk in the room and they're they're thinking everybody's looking at me. Mm -hmm. That's what we tend to do with people. We walk in the room thinking, everyone's looking at me. The truth is, no one's looking at you. No one cares what you're wearing. No one cares if your purse or your shoes and your belt matches. And the truth is, we've got to take our eyes off Mm ourselves, put them on the Lord, and we serve an audience of one.
0: Okay. And speaking of that, you were talking about no one's looking at you. What are... In your years of, you know, pastoring, what is, like, one of the biggest misconceptions about, like, pastors that just gets under your skin? Whether it's something specific to the Austin area or something global, something countrywide, like, what is a, you know, you'll see somebody on an airplane or something like, oh, you're a pastor, hmm. Like, what, you know, what's, the like, the most annoying misconception of pastors that you could just, if you could stop it today, you would?
1: That's a great question. Um, or it could be a group of misconceptions. It doesn't have to be one. Yeah, I got a couple that popped to mind right off the bat, so... It used to be if you're a pastor that you were respected like oh you're a pastor that's a that's a cool thing mm-hmm. and now it's gone the other way like oh my gosh you're one of those guys and so people have this whole list of assumptions and presumptions they put on you when they find out you're a pastor and you know one of the things i've seen for example is people don't know what to talk about if they know you're a pastor they think mm-hmm. they should talk about church stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm like i talk about other things than church stuff yeah and so it's, it's funny when you meet someone and they find out you're a pastor they're like Oh, you know, I grew up Episcopalian. I'm like, I don't care. I didn't even ask that question. <laughs> like, dude, how's it going? What's going on? What team do you pull for tonight in the, in the game seven? You know, yeah. that the misconception is we're not normal people. I put my pants one leg on at a time. I'm a normal guy. And so when I preach, and you've heard me preach for a while now, I try to be as normal mm-hmm. as possible. Because I think a lot of Christians are weird. I think a lot of churches <laughs> are weird. I think a lot of pastors are weird. And we're, yeah. I just want to be a normal dude. I love sports. I like cars. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. I like normal things. And so people talk to you because you're, the, you're a pastor. I talk to you as a pastor instead of just talking to you as a person. And pastoring is what I do. It's not who I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's kind we do that with athletes. Mm-hmm. We build the athletes up, the actors, the actresses, so we can tear them down. And we build them up, and then we just wait for them to make a mistake. What if someone came to your work and booed you? when you made a, a, a wrong comment on a conference call. Mm-hmm. That's what we do with our athletes. That's what we do with our pastors. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it really is living in a bubble. And, um, you know, you sat in a stadium in front of a lot of obese, out-of-shape people telling you how to do your job better. There's not one person in that stadium that's a better offensive lineman than you are,
0: but they all feel like they know how to play it better than you did.
1: Yeah. Same thing with pastoring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does it ever become, like, too much, like? If you see somebody in public or something and you know, like, what do you do for a living? I don't really want to talk about it. Oh, you I know. lie about it all the time. You do? Yes. So okay, this is this has been a great conversation for me cuz I lie I lie all the time. He, what here's mean? what
1: I mean by that. What do you do for a living? Oh, I study historical documents and interpret them. Uh, um I, I look at human things and cultural things, and I translate it to apply to help others. Mm. Um, I try to kind of what you say, life coach people, but I'm not a life coach. Uh, I tell people I'm a counselor. So I'm not really lying. I'm all these things. But when you say I'm a preacher or a pastor, it's interesting. And so when I play golf, people are dropping F-bombs. You know, They're, they're, they're on their eighth beer by the eighth hole. And then they ask me, there's the question, what do you do for a living? I'm like, (laughs) oh, here we go. And it's so funny because then I'll say, sometimes I just don't even want to say something. So I'll say, you know, I'm a pastor of a local church. And then they'll start apologizing for everything they've said. And I'll say something like, hey, I'm not the one you got to worry about. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just out here playing golf, you you know. Yeah. So I just, that's the thing about being a pastor. Your, Your pastors, if you're listening, you go to a church, your pastors, they're normal people. They've had normal struggles. I think the reason pastors don't become more genuine and authentic is because they feel like they can't, because if if you found out about me what I know about me, you would never come to the church. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, if I knew about you what you know about you, I wouldn't let you in the doors. So we're all people in process. We're all people on that journey. We're all people who struggle. So let's... Let's stink, stink and struggle together. Mm-hmm. Let's get this stuff on the table together. And let's, you know, you don't share your struggles with everybody, but find a few trusted people that love you for who you are. And you've got to open your life up because life was never meant to be lived alone. Is there a way
0: that, um, okay, is there a way that you would, um, how am I trying to say this? Not a method, but, like, are there certain things that you could tell people to look for in terms of, like, people, um, because obviously, like you said, you know, we all want to understand, or we all want to be understood. Um, Are there, like, certain things that people can look for, like, green flags, I guess, as opposed to red flags, to where, like, okay, this person, not as worthy of hearing my, you know, hearing what I have to say, but, like, I can trust this person. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm a big proponent of eye contact. Okay. Um, I'm a big proponent of people who actually listen and talk less and listen more. Okay. You can tell real quick if somebody wants to just say their next thing versus hear what you're saying. And I'm a big proponent of finding people who you trust information to, and then people don't find out about it. And so you got to find some folks who, when you, you know, when you put it in there, it's a vault Mm -hmm. and it doesn't get told to everybody. Uh, you can look at people's social media and you can find out, is that a trustworthy person? Uh, you can you can listen to other people how they talk to other people, how they treat other people, how they treat the waitress and the waiter at a restaurant, um, how they treat a driver in a taxi. Those are things I look for. Like, okay, this is a guy or this is a gal who I can trust, and they really seem to care about me. Mm-hmm. And it's not even about fixing me; it's about walking the journey with me.
0: Okay, and this is my last question. As an autistic person, that's terrible with eye contact. How do we become friends? No. <laughs> <laughs> But as you said, that like eye contact, like, I'm terrible at eye contact. Well,
1: I'm, you're okay. You're how tall? 6'5". Six 6'5", five. Six five and you you weigh what? Two ninety. Two ninety. When I see a six five two ninety guy in my church, I want to find out what they did. <laughs> <laughs> I shot Kennedy. That's what I did. No, I'm just playing. I'm <laughs> you know, when I say eye contact, what I mean is be all there. You know, you know, you're talking to people and they're always distracted. I don't. So I can't I, reface faces. I don't know. I, I, like, I like people just to know that. Hey, you're with me. Mm.
0: Like we're we're having a conversation here. I love that. I dig that. Are there is there anything else that you would like to say to the um, listeners or anyone listening? Do you feel moved in a certain way to you know I don't know? Give me fifty dollars. Just you know, is there anything you'd like to say closing out?
1: Yeah, if there's a listener who wants to give me fifty bucks, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would say, I mean, Joe, you know how much I love to laugh. Like mm-hmm. when I preach. I like to get people to laugh because I feel like when people are laughing, you can kind of drop some truth on them and they take it. Here's what I would say. We need to we need to take God very seriously and ourselves not so seriously. Mm-hmm. And when I take God seriously and I take myself less seriously, I can laugh more. I don't have to be focused just on my issues. I can actually serve somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you take God seriously and yourself less seriously – The more you can walk into a room and not think everyone's looking at me, the more you can actually get into a community and not wonder, does anyone here like me? And the more you can start to be God's child in that situation. And so I want to tell your listeners today, I don't pretend to know what all of you have been through. I don't pretend to know the pain of your life, but I know that God does. And I know that God loves you. And I know that God has a plan. And I do believe fully that God made you the way you are. And that God wants to do some special things in that. And so whenever you start to want to self-harm, whenever you start to just want to quit, please reach out to someone who you care for and that you know cares about you. And please just be seen as much as possible. Because again, isolation is, is, is the devil's playhouse. Isolation is not good for us And that's true whether you struggle with mental health or not Mm -hmm. And COVID has only You know Made that worse And so get out Go walk Exercise Eat Talk to people Listen to podcasts
0: (laughs) Together Listen together
1: Yeah and and let's do life
0: Okay Ladies and gentlemen that's been um, Brad Thomas I'm pretty sure we'll have him again Um As usual, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out. And in typical Joe Barksdale fashion, I'm just going to hit the stop button. As soon as I unlock this computer. None of it was recorded. I'm just playing.